Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Tacos and Shawarma. Today, we're here with our special guest, Chef Lenny of Lenny's Casitas. We finally have tacos. Finally. Oh, it's first time? First time. Yeah. Oh, wow. We're so excited. Middle Eastern tacos. Middle Eastern that's tacos. How we, that's how we do it. That's that's the tacos and the shawarma. Yeah. Right? We brought them together. When I heard this name, I said, this is like who I am, essentially, right? Yeah. Because I'm a Middle Eastern guy raised by Mexicans, right? Living in the kitchen for like my whole ah. life. So like, it's it's this, this, you know, combination of cultures that like define me, you know? Is that like what, where your background is? Y- like, yeah, I'm, I'm Israeli. Right. Yeah, and he's... Well, kind of I'm Mexican. Oh, that's why I get it. So yeah. it's the two of you together. So yeah. I'm like the I'm like your baby. Yeah, you yes. bring it. Together. <laughs> if we had a child, you'd you'd be that child. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, he has to bring us food on the show because this is my favorite restaurant in LA. I order it on on Postmates. Like you're keeping every us in week. business. That's yes. why. She's Even there. when they first opened, I I saw I texted you to cater my son's birthday, and you guys were so busy you couldn't even do it. Oh, when we first opened, it was insane. Well, in general, it's hard to find good kosher food in LA. Like it that you like that you enjoy that you can eat. This is the secret to our success, because we made good food kosher. Yeah, right. That was like you know two. It's like I I tell everybody it's like I feel sometimes like I'm Kobe Bryant, but I'm playing in the D League. You know, nice because you know when you're in a market that you know is gonna have to go to you no matter what, right? Kosher market, like you're gonna have customers no matter what. You get lazy, your service goes down, your food quality goes down. You try to cut corners. And that's unfortunately what's been happening in the kosher world. So I came in like this passionate chef who happens to be kosher. I'm like, no, we're going to flip this whole thing on its head. We're just going to make an amazing restaurant and have it certified kosher. That's it. And, and uh, what did you bring us today? Today, I brought you three, four special items. Number okay. one, since it's tacos and shawarma, we're going to do cachete tacos. Okay. Ooh. Cheek. Beef cheek. Amazing. Okay. I don't Tender. think I ever had that. Melt in your mouth. It's the best one. Okay. Uh, simple, you know, tortilla meat, and then you're gonna put salsa on the side. Okay. Then you have the corn ribs. This is like buttered corn, like it's just like the most amazing. It is amazing. Yummy, like mix of like popcorn and like a little. It's like a vegan rib, you know what I mean? And then we got the crunch wrap, the kosher crunch wrap, the one and only. Letting is a patented kosher crunch wrap supreme. Rice beans, crispy tostada, the meat, salsa. And then the last thing is the maple bacon focaccia, which we make our, we cure our own lamb bacon in-house. Oh, nice. And then we put it on a focaccia with some caramelized onion and some mushroom. And it's just like something that we really are known for. Oh my for. God. Yeah. We have to try the tacos Enjoy first. It, dude. I, I just finished making uh, braised cheek burritos. It's the best. Yeah. I, I made a, a reduction like a harissa sauce. Oh, wow. And then I threw it in with the beef cheek. We should be having that on the Tacos and Shawarma yeah. podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He he doesn't. He, he holds out on us. You're holding out or what? Well, you know, just the time. You know, it always takes time. Are it takes time eat? and love. If you're going <laughs> to be does. doing it, you got to do it properly. Beef cheeks especially. Beef cheeks. Thank you. Appreciate you know, you. like the, the, the best cuts take the longest time, take the most amount of love to actually get it right. But once you get it, dude, that's like butter. What got you into cooking in the first place? Cooking, I was doing for as long as I can remember. I, my grandmother remembers she was Italian. She taught me to make polenta when I was three years old. She said I was in the kitchen every night. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? So one day she said, come. She started teaching me how to cook. I fell in love with it. And I always had this passion throughout my life. But, you know, growing up in like a traditional, like, you know, you know upper middle class Jewish family, the idea of being a chef was like 20 years ago, not the most popular thing. My mom was this high-powered attorney, and you know, I, I remember calling her. I was a dropout, high school dropout. I was living in Israel. 
16, 17. I said, mom, I know what I want to do. I figured it out. I'm going to be a chef. She's like, hell no, you're not going to be a chef. You're going to go to college. You're going to get your life together. Da, 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 da. And then afterwards, if you want, you can be, you can go into food. So what ended up happening, I, you know, listened to her. She was a successful woman. I figured she knows what she's talking about. So I went into, you know, SMC, transferred, went to GW in DC. Got my, you know, $200,000 education. GW, you're just going to drop it just like that? Yeah, I mean, it was a fun school. It's yeah. not like, it it's not Harvard. What's GW, exactly. I don't even know what it is. I don't know. What is that? It's uh, George Washington University. Is that a big deal? It's a pretty big deal. It's, okay. uh, it's all right. It's, it's where all the all the kids that don't get into Harvard and Yale... That's where they go. And they study they political. <laughs> they study political science or yeah, law. Exactly. And then they, so they go become a, smart, then. They become a lobbyist. I'm. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that I'm super book smart. I say that. I say that I'm. I'm very good. Like, I'm like emotionally intelligent. I would say. You know, with people, I get people very well, and I relate to people. I'm empathetic. Actually, what's really funny is they just did. Uh, I. If I could find it, I'll post it. Um, adapt adaptability quotient, okay. right? Your AQ. Yeah, it's a combination of your IQ and oh, wow. your EQ. Okay, if you take your intelligence quotient and your motion quotient, put them together, it's your adaptability quotient, right? Like, how quick are you to adapt? Interesting. I I don't know if you find this to be the case, but I think chefs are by far oh, yeah. the most adaptable people on the planet. Absolutely, Earth. dude. Yeah. No, we have to like. I mean, when when. When you're working in a restaurant, I tell like this this kid recently came to me. He's like fresh out of culinary school. He's like, I want to work for you. I want to learn. And I have all this great experience. I'm like, you ain't have shit. Culinary school is not like, it's not like being a chef is not like being a doctor where you have to like go to school for seven years and learn the science of it. It's learning how to put on a service where you have 200 seats and you have a kitchen staff of five people and you got to get all this food out on time, hot. Resh, ready. That's the challenge of being You're a an junkie. adrenaline junkie. I am. I can already see I it, am. dude. <laughs> <laughs> you get used to it. It's yeah. crazy. When I went in, I remember like, so anyway, so after this college education, I went to the whole white collar thing. It wasn't working out. My manager pulled me aside one day. I was working in real estate. I was, I was doing commercial real estate. I was trying to sell real estate. It was like, I was miserable. And every night I would come home and I would cook for me and my, my wife. And it was like this like moment of like peace and serenity. And like, I had this joy coming from it. And the manager came in, Tony Solomon, great guy. He's like, listen, we love you. You're a great energy here, but this is not what you're supposed to be doing. Go do what you love. And it just hit me. I was like, I got to do it. So I started cooking from my house and doing events. But again, it was low level. And I decided if I really wanted to get experience, I had to move to New York. So I, New York is kind of like the mecca for kosher food mm -hmm. because they're like, their restaurants are actually on par with like the non-kosher places. In LA, we were still not at that level. Went to New York. Took minimum wage jobs. I was married with a kid and another one on the way. Yikes. Working on the line, you know, double shifts from the morning to night, just trying to get experience. Worked at some of the best places in New York. Got a ton of experience. But again, I realized at one point, I remember I was I was skewering kebab at a restaurant in Cedarhurst called Doma. And I remember feeling this joy, like indescribable joy just doing this thing. And I said, how does this make sense? Why? Am I making $15 an hour skewering a kebab and I feel such a happiness? Whereas before when I was making money in, in commercial real estate, I, I felt no joy. And it hit me. I was like, this is obviously what I should be doing, you know? And so with time, I came back. I, I, I got a job to open a kosher steakhouse called Charcoal back here and grew, 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 grew my staff. I had the best staff. I got guys from Mastro's that we're working on the broiler and Mastro's to make steaks. So again, bringing the 
level of non-kosher to the kosher world. And then COVID hits, right? And all my guys are laid off. And these guys, you have to imagine, they have no education, barely speak the language, working 20 years in an industry, growing, 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 the best at what they do with no work in an instant. So I was like, what are we going to do? So I had this crazy idea. I was like, listen, we got to do what LA is missing is Mexican food, kosher, because they have, you know, Japanese food and Italian food and Israeli food, a ton. But what's missing is, is, is Mexican food. And it's the craziest thing because Mexicans are the one cooking the sushi and the pasta is by Mexicans, right? So, so I said, we got to do it. So I, I got my guys together. I said, let's make a menu and let's see what we can do. Same time, I get a call from our meat distributor, Western Kosher. And he's like, what are you up to? You know, you're probably not busy. I said, yeah, I had this great concept for a kosher Mexican, but I, I don't want to take a space because there's a shutdown. What am I going to do? He said, listen, I have a crazy idea. I have a, I have a kitchen. My staff leaves every day at three, four o'clock. The place is empty at night. You want to do something here? I said, sure. So I, I thought about what, what I can do. So I literally just went on Postmates. I said, I want to sign up as a new restaurant. They said, what's the address? I gave the address of the Western Kosher. They said, this is a supermarket. I said, no, 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 it's a restaurant in the back. I made the first kosher ghost kitchen out of this Western kosher wow. and it just took off. People were starving. It was middle of COVID. People were starving for something new and we brought this insane flavor and people knew me from charcoal. Not only that, the best part was all the guys that they laid off at charcoal, I was able to hire back. So we, I literally, to this day, have my same crew for the past five years that were working for, with me before. Only before we were doing fine dining and hummus. Now we're doing freaking tacos and elote. And having a blast. And having the best time. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like this amazing Cinderella story. And everybody's happier. And, and, and you know, it's always packed, too. Every time I drive by, God. it's packed. Thank God. Yeah, really, we're blessed. We're blessed. Like, the support of the community has been amazing. Like, I, I feel like every day I feel blessed that I'm able to do what I love to do. And continue to do that every day. Like I, I know how hard it is to live a life doing something you don't love to do. And so every day that I am able to do this is like, I appreciate it so much. I'm so thankful for that opportunity, you know? Anyone I've ever spoke about the restaurant that lives in the area, they're like, it's their favorite restaurant. They all, yeah. I've never heard one negative, like everyone's like, I order from them every day. It's like music to my ears. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really great, it's, like it's the gift. food is so good. Like I feel like in LA, I'm from New York. So right. fr when I moved here, it was so hard for me to find good. When did you move here? 12 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And it's it's been hard to find. Even non-kosher Mexican places is like not all of them are good, even though there's. Right, but they're better than New York, though. Yeah. I mean, we don't. That's not really yeah, our not cuisine. Right, Italian right. is more cuisine, but Italian. it was it's hard to find good restaurants. And when I tried this food, I was like, I was hooked on it. Did you manage to stay kosher working the line, like working for so, kosher restaurants? So I, I, it's funny because I, I wasn't kosher. Like I had a eight year gap, let's say between 10 and 18, where I was like, wait a second, there's food out there that I'm not eating, shrimps and freaking, you know, lobster. I'm like, no, I got to try this. So, cause I'm such a food lover, right? So I had like an eight year period where I was eating everything. I was like connoisseur of non-kosher food. And thank God I had that experience because I was able to mimic the flavors. All the flavors, right? A, a big disadvantage that a lot of, this is a big disadvantage a lot of kosher restaurateurs have is that they don't even know they what They can't try. They can't try it. Yeah. So what do you want from them? Poor guy doesn't know what a, a good taco is. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So of course they're coming out, you know. But how did you learn this specific, you went to Mexico? I've been to Mexico, Mexico plenty of times, but but um, I think I learned it by being around Mexicans all the day, all the all time. You but, know? but I don't even think some Mexican food is this good. Right, so it has 
again, I, I, I mean, I, no offense, you know, I mean, like, I'm sure there's good no, Mexican first food of all, too. First of all, like, it well, all... Uh, I'm sorry, yeah. just to, for instance, right? Like, it's hard to justify when you're running a regular taco shop, beef cheek tacos, right? The amount of work that goes into something like this oh. is incredible. So you're going to be like, why, why yes. would I do this when I can just make something like Mexican places often have like lengua tacos, right? Lengua is cheap. Not anymore, actually. It's super right. expensive. Yeah, it got, but, it got fashionable. Yeah, it got fashionable. But lengua, you would go, it doesn't take as nearly as long as, as cheek. You chop it up afterwards, season with salt, and it's easy. You just send it out, right? Cheek takes, it's a labor of love. Yeah. So for them, they're like, if I'm selling a taco for 250 why am I going to try to elevate it at all? And there are Mexican restaurants now that are trying to elevate it, which I think is fantastic. But And there's Mexican cuisine that's absolutely elevated, especially if you go to Mexico. But you have to think like, you have to think twice about it. When you do like something that's kosher and Mexican, it just makes sense because on the kosher side, you're already paying the premium. Right. And 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 don't forget, like I have my experience is in more like fine dining restaurants. So so I apply, you know, my standards of quality and approaches to cooking to a street food concept. So it's kind of like a mixture, right? It's kind of like it's Roy blend. Choi. Roy Choi is a perfect example. Exactly. Yeah. He's kind of like a... Uh, and you said you're making fish now, right? Oh, so next week, yeah, we have like a nine-day period where we're not allowed... Jews aren't allowed to have... Shabbat. Yeah, it commemorates our exile. Like He's Jewish. So you're Jewish? Yeah. Your mom? No, dad. Oh, cool. Um, no way. So you're not really yeah. Jewish. What's your last name? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, he's Jewish. <laughs> yeah, ish. According, according, thank you. Uh, accor according to the laws, no, not really. But no, yeah, no oh, on that side, my parents met when they were seven years old. Mm. My parents have been dating since they were 16. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, wow, like, really? my sister and I know no other way of life. And your mom? Guatemalan. Oh, cool. Yeah. Wow. How did, how did they meet? Uh, so there was a large Jewish population living in Boyle Heights. Yes. They were moving. That's the, the center, the, the beginning. Of, yeah. yeah. Uh, the last of the Mohicans. Wow, dude, that's so cool, man. Yeah. So what's your last name? Jude. Jude? Yeah. Wow. It's as Jewish as it gets. Yeah, well. They literally named your last name Translate, Jew. Translate, yeah. Exactly. Jew. That's your last well, name. obviously. Sebastian Jew. Derivative of Yehuda, <laughs> right? Originally. Right. Yeah. Yehuda is Yehudi is yeah. Jew. Nice, bro. Wow. As Jewish as it gets. Look at that. Familial. Yeah. Yeah. No, our family, like, no time to really need to waste on it, but my family uh, mostly is Sephardic. Right. Uh, they came over as early as the 1600s. Those were the first they were ones being to come. From Spain. Right. Have you tried his food before? Have you been to his restaurant? I think I've been once, but I've. Okay, honest, try the food. I'm gonna try it right now. Yes. Can you pass me the red salsa, please? Yeah, I was like the, the token Jewish mother right now. She's like, <laughs> you have to eat the food before it gets cold. Making Just sure. Make sure you. Making sure that uh, she. Uh, you have to try the food. It's so good. I gotta make. I sure. want to try the fish. I gotta make sure my. Oh yeah, so the, the fish menu. So so we're doing so the nine days. We're no no meat. So usually, because I'm like such a meat guy, so like pe people, you know, usually what I decide like the first year I was trying to figure it out, and then the second two years I'm like I'm just gonna close, give my guys a break, you know, and just take it easy, and because there's not much action, and then I was like this year. I asked my guys, I was like, do you guys want a break or like, do you guys want to work? So they're like, no, we want to work. So I was like, okay, if, we're going, if, if you guys want to work, I'll make it work. So I had this great idea. I was like, let's do an entire fish menu just for this week. You should keep it. Flip we, it. We need fish tacos, kosher oh, fish tacos. Dude, I love it. The problem is you can't mix fish and meat and it gets very complicated in a busy kitchen where your fryer is, you're frying meat in the fryer. It's like, uh... it's like Pesach. You have to like separate everything out. So, so, but, but for this week, at least, I know something is going to last. I know something out of this menu. Kutzuchim fish tacos. Yeah, fish tacos, ceviche. 
Yeah. Ceviche is going to be insane. We got this amazing hamachi from Japan. Oh, wow. Yeah. We're, again, like elevating the ceviche, you know? It's like amazing quality uh, yellowtail. Like unbelievable. Baby yellowtail. A little bit firm. Some uh, little tostada, ceviche. It's going to be amazing. So some some of these items for sure are going are gonna to continue on the menu, depending on how we do. But... Um, yeah, again, it's it, it's fun. Like when you when you love what you do, like you're excited. A, yeah, about it. it's like yeah. it's it's. It, I can't wait to like launch this shit. You know, so it's ex- are you opening more locations or what? I thought about it for a long time. I've, I've been wanting to. Um, in LA, I don't think there's right now the capacity to to handle more than one Lenny's Casita, especially when I saw that all the way in Burbank, we can order Lenny's Casita. So where am I going to open? Like, right. You know what I mean? On that note, yeah, I actually, I have a nonprofit with two food trucks. No way. Let's, we'd have to bring a rabbi to come in, you know, yeah, it's burn, a, burn the whole yeah, thing. Gonna burn. <laughs> but, you know, there's something, there's something there. Yeah. Let's take, uh, Len, let's take Lenny's out. Yeah. I'm Why done. not? No, but if I was, if I were like, thinking about where we could expand to it would be like miami new york like for those, sure you know for sure those, the trio you know what i was thinking when i was i was in new york for a few months i was like they should open like a, a chipotle call it like jupotle and have like food funny like you know like the same type That's of good. what you have but you make it on site right so yeah that, that when i was building the concept it, it loosely followed the model of chipotle but with time it kind of developed its own flavor and theme you know we have like a raiz for instance yeah there's no mexican restaurant having serving of a raiz because again it's not it's, mexican it's what we we're just doing food that we do really well right and and my guys 90 percent from oaxaca they do this salsa amazing right so we're gonna do that salsa and then my israeli guy from freaking uh Roshain makes an amazing raiz we're gonna make that too so everyone's bringing their best the fusions the fusions right and again i'm a mutt i'm half Persian half Italian. Oh, no way. I turned out okay. You know, my kids are even more mutt. My wife's Yemenite and uh, Azerbaijani. So it's like, we got like all this and that's kind of what Jewish culture has been for the past 2,000 years. We've been this divergence of cultures from all over the world coming together and that's what Israel is, right? Israel is the ultimate kibbutz galiyot of like all different cultures coming together and look how amazing of a people they are. Look how strong, resilient, tech savvy, you know, forward thinking, like this is like what we do, baby, you know? And so I'm just very excited about it. And it's cool to be here with you guys. You know? Yeah, we absolutely we, we love were it. looking forward to it. I She's was... been talking about it for forever. Someone's opening the door back there. What's going yeah. on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> My posture. posture like <laughs> you haven't said a thing. I have. Been <laughs> no one's listening to Sebastian. Eh? And typical. But also, that's why the importance of headphones. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think this is an amazing Did gift. you like the food? You didn't say anything about I it. Think you didn't the, say shit about the I, food, I, I, I'm, getting, I'm getting there. The beef cheek taco is absolutely phenomenal, and the lamb is delicious on this. I'm surprised you went with lamb and not duck, because duck bacon has been duck is, preferred. Is, duck is very special. I'm a big lamb guy. I love lamb. Like, I obsess over lamb. I think oh, about wow. it in my sleep. Oh, my God. Okay, my first, like, major dish, like, signature dish that I had was that charcoal. The owners, they didn't want to do Mexican food. I was like, come on, come on, come on. I had to convince them. So how was I going to convince them? I said, we'll do a lamb shawarma tacos. And I put it as a special and it flew. No way. Yeah. And and then they ended up, they're like, okay, fine. We'll put it on the menu. That's delicious. I actually think this is so far 
It that is. was my favorite. It's, it's it's definitely this is like that dish. I brought it because it first of all is the most unique. But you didn't try the crunch wrap. You have like balsamic glaze on there or something. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, yeah. Driving crazy, and it's yeah. like that 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 like depth of flavor. You know, like from the caramelized onion, you have the sweetness. Mm-hmm. It's special, man. Especially yeah. when it's like fresh out. Like that that is delicious. Fresh out the oven. That's a that's a good one. A little crispy on the bottom. You know. But yeah, you have good you have good taste, my friend. Uh, I I grew. My dad was a caterer. Oh, when no I was way. growing up. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, and then I ended up after college going to culinary school. You did? Where? Yeah. I, so I went to Le Cordon Bleu in Pasadena. Oh, no way. And I finished my culinary training actually in France and in Spain. So I studied under a oh, two-star damn, Michelin chef. You. I had no idea, bro. <laughs> well, you know, no, I don't really talk about it because it, it, you, you think about it like the the what it means to be a cook, what it means to be a chef, what it means to be a part of that lifestyle. Uh, it is it is truly, I think, an honor and a gift to be able to feed people and give them nourishment and sustenance, but also bring the beauty, the poetry, and the art. For me, like growing up with my father being a caterer and, and doing what he was doing and me, I was cooking in the kitchen at three years old, making my own eggs. Uh, it's it's as close to like as the way that I can describe it is like pure prayer for me. Yeah. The Zen that I feel so, when like you're on the line and yeah. you're focused and things yeah. are, tickets are coming out. Oh like God. the Zen you feel that just the clarity. <sighs> I've only felt that really two times in my life on stage and in cooking. I can see that. It's, it's a I can see beautiful that. dynamic. Yeah. But having gone to the extremes of under a two star Michelin chef in France and a wow. three star Michelin chef in Spain, it changes your perspective, right? The second you start going into like gastronomy and you start going into that level of competition, it you kind of arrest a little bit because you're, what, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Totally. Because it is no longer it's just fun. Yeah. It's, it's just, exactly it's, it's that next level. I always have to beat myself. I always have to be better. And like, especially France was an intimate experience. It was only a kitchen of maybe seven of us. Wow. Uh, the very, very low turntables, right? The very long mills. Uh, I got stuck in patisserie for the majority of my stay in France. I didn't get moved up to the kitchen until the very end. Wow. So I was making, if I never happened to see another How macaron, long was this? I was in France for six months, something like that. Yeah. And I was in Spain for like another three. Working like 14 hours a day. Yeah, working for, in France is two shifts, two, like two, eight or nine hour shifts. You take a break in the middle of the day. Uh, and it was during a, like the coldest winter. Oh, wow. So, but you, you really like, it's, it's amazing. I, uh, the chefs I learned under the technique that they put into their food, like all of that is yeah. absolutely amazing. No, amazing. But I had to stop and think to myself, like, what am I doing? I came, I ran a restaurant for a little while. My, my best friend from college and I were building a business it wasn't necessarily going well, which is why I went to culinary school because I was like, I need a backup plan. I gave up grad school for the business. So I was like, what am I going to do? I, I was like, I grew up cooking. So like, I'll go to grad school. I'll go to culinary school. Won't go to grad school. Came back, ran a restaurant. My business partner and I, our business started to pick back up again and it started doing well. And it was, it was in production, which I was always in. So I was like, okay, I'll leave cooking behind because this is your second love. This is my second love. And, and I had to get to a point where I was asking myself, what am I doing? It was long days. It was, we were always in competition with each other. I had a brilliant sous chef at the restaurant that I was working at, uh, which we came up with some amazing menus. We we were selling out all the time. We worked for a sommelier. So everything had to be perfectly paired with one of the wines that he was, you know, working on at the time. Uh, and it was, it was a great experience, but you have to like ask yourself, I was 
also in this position where, you know, I, I was stressed out because you have employees, yeah. you have to do layoffs. We weren't doing the best necessarily. When was this? Uh, 2011, 2010, 2011. Yeah. yeah. So we-, we Wait, were You were in France then? I was in France in 2010. Really? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I was, I was in the there end. in fall of 2010. I was Where were you? Strasbourg Saint-Denis. Oh, wow. On the corner by all the prostitutes. Yeah, that's that's, that's actually a well-known. I was in Lyon in like back country. Oh, okay. At a, a uh, it was called a Burge de Lille Barb. Nice. And that was that was it was again it was a great experience. I'll never trade it for anything else. But you think to yourself like, what what am I? If I'm no longer getting that Zen yeah, prayer like yeah. from from cooking, I kind of stepped away from. I feel you. No, for me, it's it, the that abuse that came with those years. I thank God for because it m gave me the like personal experience that allowed me to say I'm never going to act like this with my employees I will never be that type of asshole chef that abuses his employees just because he was abused like I'm going to stop the cycle of violence in a yeah, way yeah. Take advantage of you it was worse than that no I mean, I'm talking about your employees like when you're nice oh, do they take advantage of you so I have two requirements for working at the Lenny's Casita mm -hmm. two non-negotiable traits being a good person and being a hard worker. Those two are not negotiable. Hard to find those Everything people. else are details. So far, I've been able to find 22 amazing, good people who are hardworking. Wow. I've had to fire people. I've had people who are, continue to be alcoholics. I made deals with them that because the alcohol was affecting their work and they were flaking an insane amount of shifts they flaked on. I decided that if they were continue to gonna continue working with us, that they'd have to go to AA meetings and have the AA counselor sign. Good for you. And this guy who recently I did that with is now managing the line at night. So it's just like across the board. Good people, not flawless people. There is a difference. Yes. Right. If you're looking for flawless, you're never gonna get it. Good. Good good hearts yeah, doesn't mean flawless. Everybody has, and, and you have to recognize everybody's strengths and everybody's weaknesses and understand what's fixable and what's not. Certain things are, certain things aren't. If a person's an asshole, you can't fix them. Right. So at the end of the day, that's who they are to the core. They can be uh -huh. an incredible worker, but I don't want them poisoning my staff with toxic shit. On the other hand, someone could be an incredible person. If he's not a hard worker, innately, inherently, he's just not going to cut it. Yeah. Those two things. Everything else is negotiable. You're late, you're an alcoholic, you're a drug uh -huh. addict, you're a womanizer. These things we can fix. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I said uh, my my guys have like a healthy dose of sexual harassment in the workplace. Oh. Well, it's a kitchen. It's a kitchen thing. Yeah, you know? and really if and if you can't handle just a healthy dose, then you know maybe it's not the right fit for Lenny's Casita. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's unfortunate, but that's just the culture. Yeah, it's a culture. You kind of have to take it. the good with the bad. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I no, I watch I out for everybody. Obviously, when it goes too far, I get involved. Yeah, of but course. I'm saying like. A simple thing like, oh, you look so good today. I'm not going to go into this uh, freaking world of you look good today is sexual harassment. Yeah. That's right. bullshit. It's not true. And, you know, I cut it off. Chef life is as close in modern day mm -hmm. outside of where they actually exist. I think chefs are as close to pirate culture as you can get. <laughs> They're the people you want by your side in battle. Interesting. And it's, it can get grimy. Mm. It can get a little dirty sometimes. Yeah, but they, they are loyal. If they're on yeah. your ship, I've got, I've wow. had the great, um, um, I've had the amazing pleasure of working with some amazing people. Just wonderful. Like I would die for them. Yeah, I, there's some I haven't spoken to in years. And if yeah. they called me, I would get up and go. Yeah. Because I, because when you're yeah, on the line with somebody, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was yeah, I was I related to like either a sports team or an army, but pirates is going to be my new analogy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's because what it is. They're, they're, they're tatted up. Yeah, yeah they know. I'm they like play Captain, with, I'm Captain Sparrow. Yeah, exactly. Dude. They play with knives. They play with fire. Nice, <laughs> like, they, they, these guys are womanizers. Crazy. Yeah, great. they're all nuts. Yeah, yeah, and even the girls. Like the ones, oh, absolutely. The ones who cook, they are the craziest. Oh yeah, they stay out of their way. Absolutely, entirely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I never worked in the kitchen, so I'm not really sure, but I, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, but these are the most amazing people. You know? I. If anything, we should make a requirement in the United States that everyone has to work in a restaurant yes. at some point. For sure. Have yes. you worked in a restaurant at all? No. You have to. I don't have. I mean, no, you will. You come work for me now. <laughs> I'll try. I'll see how long I last. We should film a day of you cooking at Lenny's Casitas. Mm -hmm. Just because she cooks. I, I think my guys might pass out if they see. Yeah. Ah. That's, we'll that's, have probably, to, that's uh, probably, probably not the best idea. Maybe we'll do it on a day off. No, we'll put you in some baggy clothes. Yeah, we'll put your hair down. <laughs> okay. The food was absolutely amazing. I, I'm going to try the Supreme. And I know Nick is dying. He's back there. He's like, I want some right now. And um, we're really happy about it. I appreciate it, dude. Really. We, we, lo we love your food. Thank, Thank you. you so much for coming. Thank you. My pleasure. Dude. And it was fun. We finally got tacos on the show. So that's like a big deal. Finally, I'm and the first one. In, and he's eating. Now he's not now he's even eating. ask him to speak right now. I know. He's, he's, he's in enjoying his food. All right, cool. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for coming. All right, Al. All What's right. on your mind? Okay, so um, I want to talk about, because we have to reshoot this episode, even though it's going to be close. A lot of people say, oh, women won't date guys that are broke. And I feel like that's not true, because women will date a guy who's broke until you know, a little while. And then if he doesn't do anything with his life, then they'll leave him. You know what I mean? So he's got a, a peer. He's got a, a bounce back period. He can yes. be broke for a time. He could be broke for a time, but you can't just stay broke. You have to. All right. You have to do something. You can't just be like using my car, sleeping at my house, showering at my house, leaving clothes in my house, living in my house, eating my food, and just like, yo, like, I'm going to work. And it's like, are you going to do something today? And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to meet up with my boy. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? What do you mean you're going to meet up with your boy? Why aren't you getting a job? Oh, they're not paying me enough. But you're not getting paid at all sitting here. So, like, at least go work at McDonald's. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know where you find these guys. I mean, th that sounds just like a straight loser to me, right? Like just straight loser, not doing shit. There's also a group of guys mm -hmm. who do their best to provide, but I feel still fall under the category of broke, according to like your standards That's and the standards true. of many. I mean, yeah. I mean, if a woman is, I don't think a woman should date a guy making less money than her. I just because the only reason I say that is because I've done it before and it's never worked out in my favor. It's always been a competition. He's jealous of me and it's like he, he actually brings me down. He's not really helping the cause. So I just don't feel like women should date financially down. Like it should be at least equal. Not uh, that I think they're broke. It's just not for me. Yeah. But, but they, sh they can date a woman that, you know, is in their tax bracket. So we, we just need to date people within our own economic. Yes. I Unless, you know, you have like a major disadvantage, like you're fat. Then, 
the, then, the rules change. Then we can go on disability. We can do whatever we want. No, then this you could if you're if you're a woman and you're super fat, then you you can't tell guys they have to be in your tax bracket because if you work for like Google, you're not going to date a guy who works for Google, and a guy that dates that works for Google is not going to date you. You know what I mean? So then you're going to be stuck with the broke guy. He'll be a stay at home dad, and that's okay. Moving on. When I was younger, right, my mom, when I turned like, I think it's when I turned like 20, 21, she started telling me like, where is my grandchild? When are you going to have, when are you going to have a kid? And I feel like a lot of parents that have women that grow a little bit older, they ask their, their daughters like, where is my grandchild? And I think parents should stop doing that. I think what you need to ask is, where is your husband? Because women should not be pressured to think that they need to have kids without the husband. Like, if you don't have a husband, you shouldn't have kids. Fuck with your mo- what your mother is saying to you. Don't listen to her. She's old school. It's just a totally different world right now. Even in the old school, who the hell wants to be a single mom? Like, you shouldn't pressure women to have kids if they don't have a man. Should you pressure women to having husbands? Hmm. It's a good question. I mean, at 21, would you have appreciated your mother telling you, get a husband, get a husband? I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's good for a woman to be older without a husband, but then it's like, it has to be a good husband. Like, I told you, I have, there are women with good husbands. So, like, my sister, she has a good husband. So, she's probably better off than I was than I am you know what I mean like she has her she's 26 she has three kids already she has she got everything out of the way by the time she's my age her kids will be older so she she didn't have to suffer as much you know what I mean like maybe her life is safer when your mother was pressuring you to have a child did she not think about the fact that your sister was gonna end up growing up and having kids and being married and I think it's just like immigrant parents do that a lot. So I just think they should. She did the same to your sister. Probably. Oh, you don't know? No. Um, Another thing I want to talk about the girl Pearl, the podcaster. uh, Pierce Morgan said she's the female Andrew Tate. And I just want to say that I don't. I don't think that's true. Like, I don't think you're the female Andrew Tate because, first of all, I think you hate women more than Andrew Tate. (laughs) Like, more than Andrew Tate talk shit about women like you talk more shit about women not only that women don't support you all you do is bash women in your podcast and you don't uplift anyone and you're a fucking nerd you're a nerd you're nerdy you're red hair you're tall you wear these like weird dresses and your message is women only have kids so they can take men to court for child support and take the kids away from their fathers. And nothing you say makes any sense. Nothing you talk about, you've lived in your life. Like it's it's all stuff you looked up on Google or other people saying, and then you just ran it back as your own. But you have not experienced any of this stuff. I don't even know how many men you've been with or have experience with because you don't seem like you know anything about men. You're just you're just weird and inauthentic to me. So, yeah, that's what I have to say about her. And thanks for actually you motivated me to start a podcast because if you can do it. Does Andrew Tate endorse anything that she says? Well, he went on her show. Oh, OK. Wow. What a cosign. Yeah. But he knows she's a nerd. He's just like, whatever. She's getting a lot of views. Let me jump on. He he wouldn't fuck with her in real life. 
Uh-uh. Well, now now we have something. He has, he's been on her show, but he hasn't been on your show. Well, she's been around way longer than me. How long was she around before he ended up on that podcast? I don't know, like a year. All she's right. a nerd. We have a year. Okay. Well, we'll be in Romania soon. Also, what else did I want to talk about? Shout out to, to Kevin Gates for... DMing us. Oh on the yes, podcast. that's right. So, so thank you so much. One day uh, we will. We hope that you come on the show so we could talk to you in real life. So hopefully when we we're, we get bigger as we're growing every day, once we're there, he'll come on and talk to us. So, but thank you. We appreciate the recognition. What else did I want to talk about? Um. Oh. Okay. I saw this girl on Fresh and Fit. She said she's like very submissive to her husband and that whatever her husband tells her to do, she's going to do. And they're like, like what? She's like, oh, I'm really picky with food. And if he tells me to eat something, I'll just eat it anyway. And when I saw that clip, I just thought to myself, like, your pussy must be super trash. And all these goody two shoe girls, like they just look like they have super trash pussies. So it's like you're not representing you know, women for real because you guys are just like nobody really wants to be with you. Like you guys are boring. No, your your man, your husband who's married to you, he's not fucking you every night. He's he's looking for the others to fuck, and then he's coming home and just bossing you around. So we're not taking advice from you. I'm sorry. Okay, so can I tell you what it's like to take kids to school? Every morning? Yeah. I mean, I see your stories. It sucks. It's hell. You wake up, right? You can't, you want to, you know, when you wake up, you have to go to the bathroom. That's not how it works when you have, when you're a single mom. You wake up, you change a diaper, you change the kids' clothes, and then you make coffee, you run out the door, your hair is like a mess, and then you realize you didn't even go to the bathroom. So now you have to hold it in until you get home. It's just fucking horrible. That happens to me today. That's why I'm even thinking about um, it. Yeah. And it's like, what else? Oh, just going to the bathroom in general is different when you're a single mom. Like you actually, that's where you go hiding. So like when you need a break from your kid, you hide in the bathroom. Have you ever heard anyone say that to you? I've, I've heard the joke. Yeah. It's not a joke. That shit is real. You hide in the bathroom. Um, I also want to talk about men that are over six feet. Um, I think that they have like tall privilege. Have you heard of tall privilege? I've heard of pretty privilege. Um, there's such thing as tall privilege. They get away with much more things. And I think men that are over six feet get, get way more women, women. And it's hard for them to treat women as a person because they have like such a, a, a large amount of women who are after them because it's just because of their height. You know what I mean? It just represents strong athletic athlete you know what i mean like I, I, we'd have to do a full spectrum analysis uh and like ask i don't think they're able to fully... survey but I, there there is i think a privilege that comes with being tall because yes. they do get chicks a lot easier than a short dude but i also think tall guys kind of just get a little lazy they uh, most of the tall guys that i know they just care about men, going to the gym we have a lot of good men that i know who are tall but they also all tend to run in monogamous relationships. Like they have one short girlfriend that they're with for years. Yeah, they like short girls. Short girls and then they fuck the fat girls. It's weird. They somehow, they're like, they love fat girls. Some of them. 
It's weird. I don't get it. There must be something. I don't know. I heard fat girls, maybe they have wetter pussies. I don't know. I'm, I don't really know what it is about fat girls. We'll have to ask tall guys. They won't tell us. They won't tell us the secret. We'll have to ask the fat girls what they tell them. What do you think about these guys getting uh, leg lengthening procedures where they're getting taller now? Who's doing that? There, there's like there's a major Persian doctor in LA who's doing length, leg lengthening. No, I didn't hear that. It's like big on that. TikTok. They're growing like six inches. Oh, I heard somebody was like, uh, uh, they asked Kevin Hart or something and he was like. Yes, he even ta- he even joked about it. Yeah, yeah, he was like, well, it's not how am I going to play, play basketball? I'm just going to fold like a like a lawn chair. Did you see that? Yeah, I, I, I thought that was hilarious because That's guys right. are getting height surgery. How does that work? They're like lengthening the micro breaks in your leg and they have a little screw and over a course of a few months you grow like six inches that sounds very painful now if you found out a guy that you found attractive was previously short Uh, that's better because short people are funnier and they have better personalities i'm not against it it just sounds pretty painful i'm considering leg lengthening surgery you are someone like to pay for it Uh, no i'd get lipo first before leg lengthening. No, no, no no you can't get lipo because lipo only takes out three pounds, you can't take out more than three pounds. What's in that America. thing? What's what? What is uh, Ozempic? No. What did uh, Oprah do when she cut off all of her fat? That's like something else. First of all, there's like you 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 get gastric bypass surgery. It's different. No, I don't. I don't need gastric. I need just someone to just lop off. Just no. Just get Ozempic. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I need get Ozempic. Cheap Ozempic. Whatever's cheap. Lipo's not cheap. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not going to pay it's for a it. Joke. If I was going to pay for it, I would get lipo first before. All right, we need a sugar an Armenian sugar mama for Sebastian. Yeah, we need sugar. We need sugar parents. One for yes. Al, one for me. Yeah, we do. We probably didn't cover everything. You have good clips. You I would think say. So? I would say one more sentence that's outrageous for you to use. What's outrageous? I don't know. You say outrageous shit all the time. Just stop thinking and just say something because most of the time you're not thinking when you say it. That's true. I ain't got shit. That's been another episode of Tacos and Shawarma. Thank you guys very much. Lenny's oh, Casitas. Should I say uh, about the doo-doo baby? Doo-doo baby. How Blueface said that um, <laughs> that him and Krishan are going to have a doo-doo baby. Do you know what that means? Yeah, yeah. So you talked about Okay, Krishan, I want you on the show. Nobody will put me in, in touch with you. And it's annoying. So I want you on the show. I love you. I fuck with you and I don't want to wait till you have a baby. Then you're going to be super, you're going to be way busier than you think. So then you won't be able to come on the show. She's probably due like in a month from now. So we would love to have you. We'll do it from the, the maternity ward. Uh, Aiden Ross also, if, oh, you Aiden come, Ross. if you want to come on the show, please come on the show. Yeah. Nobody. Also another person that I can't get in touch with. Why does nobody have contact to Aiden Ross in LA? I know I'm older, but why can't I get in touch with Aiden Ross? I've hit up every fucking little TikToker I know. I was like, yo, you know Aiden Ross? And they're like, no. Who fucks with Aiden Ross out here? Give me a call. Because I want him on the show, too. It's been another episode of Tacos and Trauma. Thank you guys very much. We will see you guys next week.